Blog Talk Radio. Okay. And 
um, I noticed um, within your bio it says you come from a large family. Um, has your family um, stories in, within your family and your family life inspired some of the characters you have created? Oh, definitely, definitely. Like uh, in At Last, um, Annette's family comes from Kansas, and my dad's family originally comes from Kansas, and then or came from Kansas, and then they moved out this way. So, in a way, it was my little twist on giving some background or telling the story of my dad's family when they moved to California. Okay, and just to confirm, because I read somewhere. Um, when doing some research on you, you have a series that consists of 15 books. That's correct. That's the Wallace Family Affairs. Um, there are a total of nine books in the main series, um, the Wallace Family Affairs, and then there's a spinoff or side series, which is Beyond the Wallaces, and there's a total of four or five books in that in the side series. And then we have the finale, which part one is out now, or season one is out now, of the Together We Are Strong. And that is the compilation of everyone from the Wallace Family Affairs to Beyond the Wallaces, everyone. And it's kind of like the big hurrah, the the big climax of all of the drama that was building up in each of the individual stories. Okay. And what made you, um, out of this series, what is your favorite book? Uh, out of that series, my favorite book would be At Last. Uh, even though it's not the first book written, it is the beginning of the series. It gives you a lot of the background in regards to where the Wallaces come from and information about uh, Amber Wallace's parents. Because her parents were a uh, biracial. Um, and in her story, you learn about her life as, you know, just growing up uh, multicultural or as a biracial child in the Bay Area and how, you know, some people may think of it as, oh, it's one way, but it's from Amber's point of view and when Amber's telling the story, like, you know, the kids picked on her and they got a kick out of slapping her because they could see her their handprint on her face and things like that. So you learn a lot about Amber and the things that she goes through as far as growing up and just learning how to identify herself. And in the At Last story, you find out about her parents and their relationship in their lives before they were parents, and then even just shortly up until just after Amber was born. But that book is the, like, most romantic story and the one that probably just flew from my mind to my fingers and out. It flowed so easily, so quickly, so swiftly, and I love it. I I read it sometimes myself just to remember, like, that love and that that intensity that her parents had and the love that they have for each other. So that would be my absolute favorite. But actually, I love all of this, so I read all of them myself on a regular basis. Okay. So out of all the characters you have created, who is your favorite character, the one that's easy to talk about and you just love this character? <laughs> that That's a hard question because all of the characters, each one of them has their own presence and has their own significance. But the main character who is consistent through the entire series 
and always stands out is Malcolm. I think there's maybe, there's probably maybe a couple, maybe two books where he's, is it two? Maybe it's only one. There may be only one book, and I think that's at last because it predates him, that he's actually, he's not actually in. But there is a Malcolm presence even in that story. And Malcolm is somewhat the the structure for the Wallaces. Even though he, Malcolm Latore, is not a Wallace, he is he is the foundation for everything that the Wallaces stand for, what they believe in, and he's the one that makes the family strong. And individually, um, throughout the series, because um, each book, let me explain, each book has its own story and its its own theme. However, each book in the series follows the same timeline. So while you have, um, say, Tracy's complications and the things that were happening with Tracy, meanwhile, there were things that were happening with uh, Derek and Chantel. Meanwhile, there were things that were happening with Daryl and Kendra. Or meanwhile, there were things that were happening with Ethan and Janice. They're all on the same timeline. However, they're their own individual stories. And throughout the timeline, Malcolm is always that character who, when he's there, you know who he is, you know what he's there about, and it's, it's, it's go time. If Malcolm's involved, you know it's serious. If Malcolm's involved, you know it's going to be handled. At times, there's been times where we've said, man, I wish I had a Malcolm in my life right now to just take care of this or handle this for me. Okay. So he would probably he would probably be my favorite. Okay. And um, it seems like a lot of the books are based on relationships. Did you use any of your personal relationships um, to tell, give those characters a little bit piece of your personal experience? Oh, definitely. Um, There's little sprinkles of me and my loved ones all throughout the the series. Um, Just especially the Malcolm and Amber when you're, in love with someone and they just can't seem to get it right and their heart might be in the right place but they can't get out of their own way uh, type of situation or even there's one book that's even loosely based upon just things that I've gone through um, with a person and, you know, at the end of the day, that person did call and leave a very angry voicemail. They happened to, (laughs) to find out that I wrote a book and that they felt that the character was about them. So I had to tell them, no, it's a work of fiction. It's not you, but I'm glad that you felt that it resonated with you and, you know, all of that. But, yes, pieces of my life are throughout each and every one of the books, and hopefully that's what brings my readers in and makes them relate to the stories a lot easier because, you know, they're, they're, it's not far-fetched completely because it is fiction, but it's not extremely far-fetched where you can't relate to what's going on. Like, yeah, I love him, and he needs to get it together, or, you know, or he loves me, but I can't seem to find it in myself to to bring to the table what I need to bring to the table in order to make this work. You know, um, a lot of the stories, there's, you know, the male and the female, but their imperfections are what make them realistic. So you have Ethan or Blue, who, you know, is always sitting in the background and he's just watching people. And when someone actually, when Janice actually pays attention to him, he's 
just kind of stuck, like, why is this girl paying attention to me? And, yeah, that's normally me. Like, if someone actually turns their attention to me, I'm like, what do they want? Like, why are you coming? What are you coming for? Like, I was over here minding my own business, living my life, doing whatever, and then here you are. I just try to incorporate my translation of how I think, you know, certain things happen or just my experience from different relationships into the the situations with my characters and then let them tell me how it plays out and let them tell me how what happens next. Okay. If that, and what if is that a... Without sounding crazy. No, no, no. Because I mean, coming from one writer to a writer, nothing is too crazy for me. Because <laughs> um, we all have our <laughs> own things that we do to get our characters out there. What is um, right. a writing session look like for you? What, what do you um, need to do to get in preparation? Well, as long as I have either my laptop or my iPhone with me, I have what I need. Um, there was one scene uh, with Amber and Malcolm, actually, and I had music playing, and I had this one Bruno Mars song replaying over and over in my ear in my earbuds as I was writing out the scene. And um, as long as I have like that emotion, that that idea of okay, this is how the scene starts, and I have that something emotional going on, then it it plays out from there. I don't necessarily need quiet because I've been known to sit in the corner with my iPhone and kind of tap away on the on the screen. And, like, there, once we were all together for the playoffs for the Super Bowl and I'm over on the side because I can't take the game because it was too much pressure and too much anxiety. So I'm over in the corner with my phone just tapping it out. Normally, as long as I have that inspiration and that inspirational thought and maybe just a little bit of music, it's great, but when I'm at home, it's always great to be in my room, sitting on the corner, the right corner of my bed next to my nightstand with a little bit of music and maybe some wine, and then it just, and that is, once the inspiration hits, it's just it just goes from there. Okay. Um, are you like a drinker? Do you need something to drink? Or is just you and your music? Um. It would probably be more more or less me and my music because I tend to write wherever I am, and it's sometimes where I am, it's not conducive to having a drink with me. So normally as long as I have, even if I can't play my music out loud, if it's something that I was listening to in the car and that melody is replaying in my head, as long as I have that music, that inspiration to go, then that's what, what helps me to get going and to really just, be able to see the scene and then to be able to say, okay, here, here we, here's where we are. This is what's going on. Now go. You guys tell me what's happening. Or you were okay. feeling this way and you were telling me you were feeling this way before. Now I'm here to, like, tell me so that I can record it for you. And then that's the character will start talking. They'll start going. And then I just sit there and record. And that can go on for hours. I don't really, over the past four years, almost four years, I haven't watched much TV at all. And my girlfriends will be like, "You gotta watch this show or that show." I I I don't have time. If it's not on my DVR, I, I don't really have time for TV too much anymore. <laughs> okay, I totally understand that. I'm still a big TV head. I can't. Well, you know what? Um, TV for me is during writer's block. If I'm having like some sort of writer's block, 
um, music mm-hmm. and like watching a TV show or something. Because then they can, mm-hmm. the character I'm watching on TV can do something totally different than what my character is doing, spark something mm-hmm. like in me, and then I'm gone. I'm going to go right. Or I totally tuned out to the TV because I'm on my, you know, my phone notating or I'm, I got pulled on my journal, and I'm like, okay, well, I need her to do this and this and this and this. And then at this point. So I definitely, dealing with writer's block, um, for me, TV mm-hmm. music is what gets me, gets me going to get me right back out of it. You know what helps me with the writer's block is going to the movies. And I will say that I have gone to the movies so much in the past. And sometimes it's not even just writer's block. Sometimes it's just inspiration for something different. And I'll normally, like, Star Wars. Who would think Star Wars would be inspiration for someone who normally writes about relationships? But going to the movies, watching Star Wars, and watching how the characters interact and understanding that lingo and how the story's put together, that is always, like, the biggest inspiration for me. So, yeah, definitely. And then I have my staples, my, you know, my Pride and Prejudice and things like that that I watch, and it's like, oh, yeah, oh! And then there's the inspiration because there's that emotion. Okay. And what do you consider the genre that you write? I keep thinking about that, and I want to say that it's probably that I would probably consider myself a contemporary African American fiction writer. But then again, I don't know. I don't possess the the fire that street literature warrants, and I know that. And I stay in my lane. I my head is tipped to everyone who can do it, and I am you know all about watching and reading it. But I know that that's, I can't do it justice. So if anything, I would probably say that I'm more or less a contemporary African-American writer or urban, but a lot of times people can confuse urban fiction with street lit, and it's not the same thing. So Thank you. I, I, I go to battle with some people about that. Urban fiction and street fiction, um, they, they, they're not the same. They're not one in the no, same. No, they're not. Um, no, they're not. Not at all. Because, you know, and a lot of times you'll say to some writers, like, okay, well, this is urban fiction. And they'll say, well, I don't write urban fiction. And I said, well, you realize that urban is the location, the area. And it doesn't necessarily even mean that it's, you know, black folks that are, are writing it. It's urban is the city and, and just on the cusp of the city. It's not street lit. Street lit is totally different, and, you know, you have to have just, oh, like when I think about, like, the, the street lit authors and the way that they write, I just sit there in awe, like, how did, like, how did you do, this is amazing, that's, that I, I, I don't possess that talent, and I love, love the fact that other people do, and they showcase their art that way, but I, I know I don't qualify for that, so I don't even try to sell myself that way. Which is good because I feel like if some people, if it's not, a, a reader can always tell when something is forced. Me, um, I write mm-hmm. urban fiction and street fiction, street lit, um, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. just based on my background. So sometimes right. I, can, I feel like writing a street lit novel, and sometimes I feel like writing an urban fiction novel. Or, you know, um, one thing I have never tried and I just can't get into is writing like a, just an urban mm-hmm. romance. Um, my latest mm. novel, I consider it as like an urban romance, but it's still urban fiction for me. Um, 
and I and and my craft is sticking with urban fiction and street lit. That's that's what my craft mm-hmm. and my you know my skills are. Mhm. Right. And then and then when you're writing from your lane, then it comes out authentic, and then your readers can totally and completely understand where you're coming from, and they can identify with that. And that's the way it should be. Exactly. Unfortunately, like <laughs> unfortunately, I. And that's probably part of the reason why I didn't go the traditional route of um, going to a publishing house or trying to go to the, one of the big fives because, no, I, you know, for one, if they're asking for streets, I don't have that. Um, or I shouldn't say that I don't have that, but it's it's not my strong suit. And I wouldn't – it just wouldn't be authentic. And um, – more or less where I'm writing from and what I'm writing about may or may not fit within the background or the the box of anything. So that's why I kind of say, uh, maybe I'm contemporary African-American fiction. Not exactly sure because especially the Wallace Family Affairs is a multicultural family that are all working together for the, the benefit of their family as a whole. And that's just a reflection of my family and how we've always embraced each other and embraced each other, those that we've brought into the family as well as those that are there, just regardless of what your background is. Once we're family, we're family. But, you know, it it doesn't, I don't, I haven't exactly read anything like what I've written, so I feel like it's my own little niche that I created for myself. But at the same time, there's nothing new under the sun, so I'm sure. I think I have an original idea, but, you know, I find out later on that, oh, yeah, somebody said this, I did that 10 years ago. Oh, okay, well, this is my version of it, and congratulations. Maybe I can read yours, and then we could talk about it. I don't know. Right. I think um, anything that comes from the heart and authentic, it, it, it may, somebody may have done it, but they, nobody does it like you because you know, you're right. true to your words, you're true to your heart, you're writing from the heart, and you're writing authentic. So it's... Um, I tell everybody that, you know, they're, oh, you know, the urban fiction market is saturated. Um, for me, it, it may be saturated. Um, everybody's trying to fill their dreams. But if, when I sit down and I'm going to type a story and I'm writing a story, it's coming straight from the mm-hmm. heart, whether I'm sharing personal experiences that I have or close people around me. But it's something authentic. So it, it, it may be based on the same thing as the next person's book, but my book is not going to sound the same because we have different voices. Right. Exactly, and it comes from you, so therefore it is different. It just so looks like we have a caller on the line. Caller, if you would like to speak with our special guest, to give us a signal that you do want to come on the uh, air, okay? How have so you're a self-published author, and what advantages or disadvantages do you like about being a self-published author? Well, the advantages are definitely whatever you say goes. So if you decide, um, I, you know, I want this book to be within this this length or have, you know, whatever you decide for your your book, for your for your cover, you have complete and total control. So you can title your book, you can design your cover, you can determine whether or not a scene stays or or leaves. Um, with 
um, when you're published, you don't necessarily have control over all of those aspects um, when you're writing. So, you know, your publisher may determine what your title is going to be. Your publisher may determine, oh, your, your story's too long, so we're going to break it up into, you know, pieces. And then you have, you know, instead of just one book, you have uh, maybe a three or four part. And in my mind, it's just a control thing. If this is my one little piece of history that later on I'll be able to look back and say that I did and to know that I have control over how I did it is important to me. So um, I think that's definitely a positive in regards to going self-published. One of, another, a negative with going self-published is that, you know, you, your journey is what you make of it in the sense that if you don't market yourself, then, you know, it will truly be something that you just did but maybe no one else knows about. And I don't ha- I don't possess that marketing gene to really know how to make something stand out and make it, you know, and sell it. Like these apples, they're not just apples, they're golden apples. And when you taste it, it's so juicy, blah, blah, blah. I'm more or less like, here it is. <laughs> And maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't, but thank you for taking a look. So um, I'd say a negative to being self-published is that um, if if you're someone like me who does not have that go out and market yourself gene, then it can be intimidating and uh, a little bit uh, discouraging even sometimes. And um, so how do you market yourself and market your book? Well, um, what I normally do is um, I surround myself with excellent people. Um, My very close friends are very good about talking up my work. Um, I have a team of three beta readers who are very, very encouraging, and they help me get my stuff together. And I... Um, do the the Facebook and the Instagram and Twitter and Google Plus marketing things. Um, But I also try to, I've been lately trying to get out there and meet more people. And if anything, just my offer to support other people has actually benefited me because when I'm supporting someone else, they're supporting me. Of course, you don't help someone in 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 expectation that they're going to return the favor because that doesn't always happen. But it, when you are supportive to other people, the people who are genuine and who actually take note and pay attention, you know, they're going to see that and they're going to appreciate that. And, you know, they'll give you pointers. They'll point you in the right direction to show you what you need to do or to tell you, you know, you might want to step this up. And I'm always grateful for feedback. So, um, anytime anyone says, you know, hey, do this, or your brand, you might want to consider that, um, I try to be all over it. Okay, I totally understand that. Um, so what is two pieces of advice you can give to an aspiring author who's looking to self-publish? Um, well, you definitely want to look into editing and um, make sure that, your your representation of yourself is as good as you would want it to be. And no matter what, to continue to keep writing because the more you do it, the better you get. And the better you get, the more intriguing your stories become. So definitely continue to write. Um, definitely, you know, be open to 
constructive criticism because at the end of the day, everybody is not going to like what you do. Everyone's not going to like your work. And it's just, and it's not that there's anything wrong with what you've done. It's just that they didn't like it. And I mean, opinions and, and preferences and everybody has them. So it's, it's not something to take offense to just because someone didn't like what you've done or what you put out. It's just that it wasn't their cup of tea. And you got to kind of have thick skin for that because, oh, my goodness, reviews or just feedback sometimes is more or less someone's opinion, not so much a critique on what you did. Like, I I like the story. I read it, but I would have preferred if you would have did A, B, C, and D, and that's why I gave you one star. Well, so you enjoyed the you enjoyed my book, and you read it all the way through, and it held your attention, but it's one star because you would have preferred, you know, so – you you got to kind of have thick skin and just be comfortable with what you've done and enjoy it yourself because if you enjoy it, then somebody else is going to enjoy it. It may be just one other person, but at the same time, if you're happy with what you did, then that's what it should be. And definitely just, you know, make sure that you support your fellow authors as well because there's enough readers for everybody. And, it, and as long as you're helping somebody else along eventually, even if it doesn't happen right away, somebody's going to take note, and they're going to help you too. But never just have that, or in my opinion, never have that me first attitude because it just doesn't it doesn't pay off. It doesn't help. Gary's opinion completely and totally. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I totally understand that. So we're going to go for a quick short break, and when we come back, we're going to dig deeper into what, Carrie has planned for this year. See if she'll be attending any of these literary events that are will be going down in 2017. We'll be back in a moment. Do you need hot new graphics? Do you need your book edited, proofread, typeset, or formatted? Then contact me, Allison MDs. CEO of Allison Edits, and that's Allison, A-L-L-Y-S-O-N, Edits, E-D-I-T-S, dot com. And we are back live. If you just now tuning in, I am your host, Misha Lene, and we are live on the line with Carrie Anderson. We were um, just before going, just before going to commercial, we did um, give two advice. From Carrie, um, for aspiring authors coming into the business to have thick, thick skin and just to know that when a person leaves a review, don't look at it as a negative. Look at it as a positive. Um, I tell everyone, when I get a review, I look in the positive in it, whether it's a good review or a bad review. I look at the positive, positive in that review and how I can better myself within the next book um, and just continuing to go on. Because uh, my favorite quote is that a writer is an amateur who never quit it. So you just have to keep going and keep doing it. So, Carrie, what events do you have planned for this year? Well, I'm definitely going to be at the Soul Fest um, Book Fair in April in Maryland. Uh, I'm still planning to get my ducks in a row for that one. And at this point, that's my primary focus. I haven't um, booked anything else or or um, actually really considered any other venues just at this, at this moment. I want to try to make sure that I have everything together for Solfest. Um, after Solfest, I'll probably be looking for some events closer to home 
um, the West Coast. We don't seem to have as big a presence as the East Coast. And so I know that that's uh, been a topic of conversation. We, we really don't. So I know that's been a topic of conversation for a lot of uh, folks on the West Coast, and I'm expecting that pretty soon we'll, we'll see a change in that. So um, for something closer to home to try to um, actually get myself out there and, and network with some folks around here. Yeah, I, I tell everybody, we have to be the ones to change it. Nobody's going to change it for us. Like, we have to be the force to get it together. Because, um, like me, I'm planning to do, a, you know, a few events that are, um, I'm planning to go to Chicago, um, Atlanta again. Mm-hmm. I went to Atlanta last year, so I'm planning on doing Atlanta again. Um, mm-hmm. And Chicago, and I believe it's Maryland mm-hmm. this year. But, you know, I would love more to do more events here right in my home, in my background, you know, in my backyard. Right. Um, so I just tell everybody, it's just sometimes it's, we have to be the change. We can't wait for it. We got to be the change. We got to be like, okay, well, we're going to set up this event and we're going to do it this way and, and do that. Right. Because we can't, we can't wait for people because, or we ain't going to never have nothing here on the West Coast. And it's so many authors here. There's so many from Southern California up to Northern California. There's so many authors right here in California. Right, right, and and um and the fact that we're all in the same state is is one thing. Like I, um, I'm a member of the Doremi Read a Book in Person chapter for the Bay Area, and through just that in person chapter, I met Angie Lydell, who was a wonderful author and and a wonderful person to know. Um, and even with that, it's like okay, well. She went to an event in Southern California, and it's like, okay, well, yeah, we have that, but we're right here in the Bay Area, and it's a matter of, of getting it together, which, you know, a few people have, have done a few things, but it's at this point I'm really trying to get my ear out there to try to um, network and figure out how I can wiggle myself into some of those things as well. Yes, I met Angie when she was actually down here at the event. Oh, okay. She's an amazing person, isn't she? Yes, it was. It was a it was a good event to uh, mingle with uh, a lot of different authors that came from the Bay. There were some that came from Texas, so it was definitely um, definitely a time to mingle with you know uh, fellow authors, um, their journey, share our journey, share tips and trades of the business because there's so much. I feel like we every day we're learning. You may know something I don't know, and, and, and I feel like it's our duty as, as a growing industry to keep all that petty stuff and share what we know to grow. If I know right. two things that can help you get somewhere and you know two things that can help me get somewhere, we need to collaborate those things, and maybe as a group and as a, an industry, we can get further. Exactly. Exactly. No crabs in the barrel over here, please. Right. Keep that mess somewhere else. So I definitely, exactly. I definitely want, um, I definitely want more events um, here in my here in Southern California, Northern California, um, and I'm gonna actually look into trying to get something done because I feel mm-hmm. like it's time we need something here, we need something. Um, so it's definitely, I feel like we got to take it into our own hands and make sure that we have something for us. Definitely, definitely. Well. I'm here in Northern California, so, I mean, even if it means a car ride down to Southern California, I'm always down for that. It's just a matter of figuring out when, how, and putting it together. Exactly. When, how, and who, right? Exactly. (laughs) Right. 
Okay, so I noticed we have some other callers who logged into the call and are listening. You want to speak to Carrie? Please press one so that we can know that you want to listen in and ask any questions that you may have. She is an open book and she's willing to provide any information. <laughs> okay, looks like we have someone who wants to ask a question. Give me one moment to bring them on. Um, someone calling from nine two five. You are live on the air. Well, hello. Y'all just got through talking about me. Hey, Carrie. (laughs) Hey, Angie. How are you? I'm great. How are you, sweetheart? I'm good. Just getting in from work, but I just wanted to call in and support you and tell you sounding good. You're doing a good job. Thank you, Angie. I appreciate it so much. You know, we got to get some more of them Wallace family books together. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. You know, there's a whole Wallace world out there that's just waiting to be discovered. <laughs> right. So if y'all haven't read any of Carrie books, you should get them, especially um, uh, the new one, Secrets and Lies. You know I'm still reading that one, so <laughs> very good, very good. <laughs> and, Angie, when does very your good. next book um, drop? When does your next any book day. drop? Any day. Um, any day now? Yeah. It, the hold up is I had to get a new cover, so it's coming. Awesome. I, I, I just got the new, uh, well, you know, the new cover is being approved now, and mm-hmm. uh, then it's coming. Actually, two is coming, but, you know, this your show, so go ahead and do your thing. <laughs> well, Angie, before, while we have you on the line, go ahead and tell the um, the people who are listening who who exactly you are. Well, my name is Angela Dale. I'm an author out of the Bay Area, and my book is Tears of the Game, part one and two. And then I have He Said, She Said coming out also. Okay. And we want to wish you the best on that um, newly release that's coming out. Thank you right. very and much. You Y'all keep read. me informed. Huh? Yeah. And if you haven't read Tears of the Game yet, then you need to go get caught up because two's about to drop. You want to know what's that's going right. on. So definitely go get Angie's book. You definitely want to go do that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> When's the next event in LA? I heard y'all talking about LA. When's the next event? Um, I don't know of any at this time, but I am going to be searching. Um, but I am going to get a few of their authors together and try to give an event. Um, like I said, I was at the event here in Los Angeles, and we want to make sure it's, it's it's a better, even a better event. Right, right. Okay. It was, it was well, nice meeting everyone, but I definitely want another event. Yeah, just keep me informed. No problem. I'm, I'm you with, I'm with like you said. supporting. I'm sorry. No problem. And just like you said, go make sure you guys support Angie on her new release, and we want to congratulate you on your new release, and we hope wish you the best within that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and you. Before you Carrie, good call, luck, Angie, okay? Huh? Before you get off the call, can you tell the readers where they can find your books and find you? Um, you can find my books on Amazon, and you can reach me, Facebook, Angela Dale, um, Instagram, author Angela Dale, and Twitter, Angie the Author. Yeah, so make sure y'all go and follow Angie and support her book. Definitely. It's a page turner. You'll enjoy it. 
Yes, you will. Thank you, ladies. You're welcome. Have a good night. All right. You as well. Okay, Carrie. Just speaking while speaking with um, Angie, it makes me want to, are you interested in doing any collaborations? If so, what authors would you like to do a collaboration with? Hmm. Um, I don't exactly have a wish list of uh, collaborators yet, just yet, because I still have a, a bunch of books on my to-be-read list. Um, but I definitely, in the future, I know that I'll definitely be reaching out to some to someone that I admire in in hopes of eventually having a collaboration piece together that will um, that I can actually contribute to in a way that, you know, highlights not only their style of writing, but mine, and hopefully the two together will be great. Okay. And you said you haven't, um, you've been really busy. What was the last book you read? Oh, last book I read. Last book I read. Oh, I'm trying to think. The last book I read outside of my own was for our in-person discussion. Oh, what was it? I think it was, it was Silly of Me, Tiffany Forbes, Silly of Me, part one and two, okay. I believe. I believe. Or it was it was either that or it was Tears of the Game. Okay. And we read it as and a group when and it, we discussed it. We discussed it. When it comes to reading, what type of genres do you normally read? I normally like to read the type of books that I like to write. So I normally, I'll normally gear towards like Delaney Diamond and Eric Jerome Dickey and things like that. Um, but on occasion, I will, like, I have a couple of books here that I have um, yet to read, but I'm going to read. I have um, J.M. Benjamin's Look Out for the Big Girls, the first part. And then I have Quan's uh, Diamond and Pearl that I still have yet to read, but they are next. And then I have um, a few of August Wilson's plays. I just saw Fences and fell in love with it. And so I bought uh, about eight of his plays at the encouragement of um, some friends. So um, during Black History Month, I want to try to, knock those out if I can in between writing and keeping up with what our current read is in, in our in-person book chapter. Okay, I totally understand that. And I did see Fences, and that was very a very good movie. Um, Oh, my goodness. Wasn't that movie so good? Like, I saw my yes. both of my grandfathers, my dad and my brothers, my grandmothers, and my mom and my dad even, and I mean, just it was the movie played out like a play, but oh my goodness, I was just I was I was in tears by the end of the movie, and I do not like to cry in movies. I am not a crier per se, but that movie, oh, it, it moved me beyond just all comprehension. Just you know, understanding like as a parent, when you want something better for your child, and you don't want them to settle for the life that you had, 
maybe I didn't agree with the way he went about it, but I understood what he was trying to do. And I love this thing when he was um, when Troy was talking to his son Lion, and he was telling his uh, his son Lion about his experience with his father. And you can tell this was the first time they ever had a conversation in that light. And just what he shared with his son, you could see his son looking at his dad differently, like just understanding where his dad was coming from and the things that he went through to understand his limitations as a parent currently in front of him. That movie was, uh, it was everything. So I keep telling everyone, like, have you seen it? Go support it. Go see the movie. Viola Davis is an amazing actress. And Denzel, you know, it's Denzel, but he did an amazing job with that movie. And I just, I loved it, loved it to the point that when I was reading the play, when I was stuck on the plane for 50 million hours a weekend or so ago, um, I could just hear their voices and see their faces as I was reading the play. So I look forward to reading the other plays um, just to get a a better feel for August Wilson. Because in school, you know, we talked about him and we went over a few things, but now in my older life, I'm sure I'll glean something different from it than as I did as a child just reading it to hurry up and get through it. So I cannot wait. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely the, the movie and the message because, um, like, the point where he said, wow, like, he'd been stuck for 18 years and just settled in. She was crying, and she told him, like, you haven't been alone. I've been right there with you. And I think that was something that just stuck to me because so many people don't understand that in a relationship where you feel stuck, there's that person that's writing with you, and they feel stuck, too. Right. But your loyalty you does not change and they continue to keep going. And she kept going and going and going. And he was just like so mad about what didn't happen in his life. It didn't allow him to live. Right. Right. Or when they were talking about like the walking blues and his son was like, oh, I just would have left. I wouldn't have stayed there and dealt with that. And, you know, even though this was the setting was what the, the 60s, the 50s, 60s, you still see that even today when it's, like, too much for someone to deal with. They just pick up and just walk away. And, you know, and it's not necessarily that they're, like, saying that you weren't worthy or that you didn't deserve. It's just that too much, and and you can only deal with so much. And when you're trying to put an, an, like, you had Troy, he's working hard, he's trying to make an honest living for his wife and trying to do right by his wife and his son and just all the things that's on his back. He had to feel like his job was in jeopardy just for speaking up on what, was, what wasn't what was right. Like, why are all the black men picking up the cans, but the white men are driving the trucks? And then, you know, he had to go through that whole agony of, am I going to lose my job or not? And they rewarded him, but even that wasn't fulfilling because at the end of the day, that, you know, wasn't what he was looking for. And then just I mean, just the the struggle, like, you know, you're trying to be a man and you're trying to stand up and show your family what a man does and what he fights for, but you're being held back. And it's even when it's not said, you know what, why it is, you know, and it's just, just that frustration. And I do not agree with the way that he chose to deal with that. And I really, you know, I wanted to holler at Rose, like, girl, you are a good woman. You deserve better. But back in those days, they stayed. And, like, that was like that my grandmothers, I thought about them. Like, they stayed. And they dealt with Mm -hmm. stuff that I cannot and I will not. But they stayed. They stood by their men through and in health. And that always amazes me 
the strength that it takes in a person to be able to do that. And, like, that movie, that play, it just, it, it hit all of that. And it's like, yeah, these are the foundations for everything that, you know, we that we that we uh, grew up with, why we are as a culture. It's like it explains so much about who we are, how we are. And mm-hmm. it's just either you get it or you don't. As I was walking out of the theater, I saw a group of people sitting together, and I just, you know, as I'm trying to hide my tears, but at the same time I'm looking at them like, did you get everything that was happening in that movie? Like, did you see, like, how oppressed that man felt even when he was trying to do right? You know, or in that wife, how that trickled down to the wife and the children and just, you know, and at some point I was hoping that he would say, you know, he went and saw his son play music or, you know, yeah, dad came and, and saw me play. But that's just not, that wasn't the reality then. It just, it just wasn't. Yeah. And, but and anyway, so, was, yeah, the it was very touching. I was just like, like you said, I was like, especially after the baby situation, I was like, no, Rose. But like you said, back in those time, women stayed, they dealt with it, and they kept trucking and kept going on. Right. Right. And yeah, I mean, he, she told him he was a, he was a, a womanless man after that. And I mean, like, she wasn't getting his food for him no more. It's in the, it's in the oven. You got to heat it up. You know, she wasn't concerned with him anymore. He did lose his wife in a lot of regards. But, man, just just the – I'm in awe by it because there, there's a lot of questions that I would love to be able to sit down and ask my grandmother. So, unfortunately, both of them have passed on. But I would love to know, like, just how how do you stay when you know this man doesn't deserve you? Or do you know that he didn't deserve you? I just really want to know, like, because both of my grandmothers, they, oh, they were some firecrackers and just, but anyway, so, yes, <laughs> great movie, great, just a great way to just walk away from everything and just get involved in somebody else's artistic expression and let it consume you for a little bit. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. And when I seen that movie, I was like, oh, my gosh. But I definitely think um, August definitely did a, a wonderful job. And, you know, um, I think they picked the right people to display that on, on screen. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely oh, yeah. um, proud of that movie. And that was definitely a movie I've seen mm-hmm. this year. I haven't seen Hidden Figures because I've been so busy, but that is another movie that I'm interested in seeing. Um, yeah. Whether it be I thought- once it comes on DVD but I am interested in seeing it. Mhm. Yeah, I thought it was cute. <laughs> it was cute. It, I mean, it was awakening for a lot of uh, people who aren't familiar with just the things that African Americans went through post-slavery. And so it was, you know, informative for a lot of people, but Fences is by all means, the ticket and the one that I people to definitely go see. Yeah, it was, and that's one I definitely think, so I definitely second that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, what, so you've, you're self-published, you have this um, series about the Wallace family. Do you mm-hmm. ever see yourself maybe a few years from now 
um, signing a deal where it can put your books in Barnes and Noble, can put your books in Walmart and Target. Do you ever see yourself putting yourself in that position where you can do where you will want to do that? Oh, definitely. I I know that since everything is on my own and on my own merit, um, there would probably be some updates that I'd need to make um, in order to qualify for that, if you will. But mm-hmm. I would love to see um, my work on, on walk into a Walmart or walk into a Target or what have you, and there's my work, there's my book. But first of all and foremost, I'm trying to, make sure I get on uh, the bookshelves of maybe some mom-and-pop shops because I do feel like the the true readers and the avid readers, that's where they'll find me first. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter I, of finding I totally those agree. places. Yeah. Well, um, there is uh, Zara's bookstore here in um, Los Angeles that supports a lot of indie authors. Is um, Zara's? It's called Zara's Books and Things. It's in Inglewood. I mean, I can personally send you. I'll uh, send you uh, the bookstore's information. Uh, my books are there, and she definitely um, supports um, indie authors. And she's been around a long time. Actually, it was the bookstore that I used to go to to get books when um, back in the day when I grew up and I was buying paperback books. It was Borders, mm-hmm. and then what you couldn't find in Borders, you found with her. So I definitely was mm-hmm. always there. So um, as an adult and published author, it's it feels good to go in there and see all of these black authors and all of these authors on the shelf, but I can also find myself there. So um, I'll definitely <laughs> send you that information. <laughs> oh, thank you. Definitely. Definitely. And we we look like we have two more people who have logged in. Before we end our night, does anyone else have any questions or wanted to talk to Carrie? Please press one to raise your hand so that it can indicate that you want to come live on the air. Go ahead, Carrie. Oh. No, I was just saying, oh, I was just out there in um, a couple of weeks ago, or almost two weeks ago. I came up there for um, uh, a natural hair event. Felicia Leatherwood was uh, hosting, and we got stuck on the, on the runway for, like, hours. I ended up missing the event, but I did get a chance to chat with her and a few of the people that were still hang, lingering around. But I found myself out there in Los Angeles quite a few times. So uh, a bookstore in Inglewood is definitely somewhere that I need to go visit. And um, I look forward to receiving that information because, yeah, I've been out there quite a few times and I see myself going out there more in the future too. Yeah, I definitely will send you that information. Um, And there's a few other places like a Smiley bookstore, some little different um, other places that I don't, I never mind sharing with other people because, like I said, I want to see us all in those indie bookstores moving up to the majors as self-published authors to show that, you know, we 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 did the legwork, we did the marketing, we did the writing the books and doing the covers and paying for this, and we're still able to, you know, get ahead. Right. Definitely. Definitely. So I definitely will send that information to you. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. And as um, so I know I gave you the uh, the advice you gave, the two tips for inspiring authors. Um, what's mm-hmm. your success that you have received in the business within your time of being a published author? What is something, two things you can give an established author who is struggling to brand themselves in their books? And advice I could give an established author to brand themselves in their books? 
Yes. Mm. They definitely want to be approachable. You know, I know that, you know, sometimes egos can get kind of large and out of control sometimes and, you know, maybe a little bit of, of, of five seconds of success could possibly go to your head. But, you know, when you're approachable and people always feel like they can always come and, like, hit you up or what have you, like uh, Keith Kareem Williams is always, always open to, to questions and he's, he gives advice and he's approachable. And when I was initially talking to him and just asking him questions, I had no idea that he was such a big deal until, you know, I started doing my research and looking around. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And this guy is, he's, you know, he's had made these strides and he's still like just a, a click away. You know, that leaves an impression with your readers and and with the people who are, you know, just surrounded by you and, and people who always have positive things to say about you go so much further than the negativity. You know, if people are, are talking negatively about you, then, you know, it just is what it is. But when you have a room full of people who are all saying positive things about you, that speaks to your brand and that makes people want to support you and want to say, I worked hard for this $5, but I'll give it to you so that you can entertain me. So definitely always be approachable and always embrace your fans because they're the people who support you. And I, I think a lot of people forget that part. They forget that those are the people that support you. Those are the people that ride with you. Um, I see so many people argue, I mean, so many authors arguing with readers, and I'm like, it's their opinion. As long as you do not disrespect me, your opinion is valid. And I tell everybody, give me an honest opinion. If you don't want the book, you don't like the book. Um, but tell me why right. you don't like it. Just don't tell me I didn't like this book. Tell me why you didn't like that book so that I can look at that to make the next book happy, to, you know, to, to right. do better in the next book. I think there actually exactly. should be some kind of. Delusion? Yeah, Lucia. Hello. Lucia, did I lose you? It's like we're having a bit of technical difficulty at the moment. Um, I'm sure it'll be fixed in just a moment. Um, but if you are not familiar with the Wallace Family Affairs, then please, by all means, there's um, there are a ton of different stories and different storylines and uh, different point of views and in different situations. And if you're looking for a standalone work of uh, fiction that's one complete and total story. That would be my latest release, Secrets and Lies, which is a complete book, um, one standalone. So if you have a nice rainy weekend where you want to just sit down and curl up with a good story, then definitely check out Secrets and Lies, which is about um, um, it's about uh, two couples who have um, 